0: Wreaking Havoc. Wreaking Havoc. News, interviews, and more. We just reek of Huntsville Havoc Hockey. Another Thursday is here, and that means it's time for another Wreaking Havoc podcast. This week we feature a conversation that we intended to have last week with recently re-signed left-wing Cole Reginato. Before his fishing trip forced a delay, we'll hear more about that in Cole's conversation with Laura Pitts. We've also got news on the latest signee, plus updated announcements as well. Keep it here as the Wreak and Havoc podcast continues. The Wreak and Havoc
1: podcast.
0: Got something to say? Put it on a t-shirt or hoodie or apron or even an iPhone case just go to daddyoscustomtees.com and make it happen look through their selection of ready-made designs or make one of your own check out their special hockey designs too with daddyos custom tees you can truly have it your way look for daddyos custom tees on facebook follow them on twitter or instagram or go online to daddyoscustomtees.com That's D-A-D-D-Y-O-S, custom, T-E-E-S, dot com. Daddy-O's Custom Tees. They've got your back or front. Let's go in the slot.
2: Hey, everyone. Today on our In the Slot segment, we're joined by Havoc player Cole Reginato. Cole's been a part of the Huntsville Havoc since the 2020-2021 season and has quickly become a fan favorite. Cole, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy off season. it seems, um, to sit down and chat with us today about all things you and all things hockey.
3: Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for having me. Pretty excited here.
2: So I wanted to start off by talking to you um, exactly about how your off season has been going. Um, it's been kind of a funny little joke between um, Tim and I trying to get different players and things set up. He would ask me last week, Hey, have you heard from Cole? And I was like, sort of. He's kind of lost at sea right now, so to speak. And so we kind of had like a little laughter about that. So I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about what your life has been like in the off season that's not related to hockey.
3: Yeah. So I usually get home uh, the beginning of May, maybe right before May from hockey season. And on the 15th is when lobster fishing starts. So I usually get uh, right to work as soon as I get home, um, maybe enjoy a week off or so. And then, yeah, I get to start lobster fishing for its two-month season. Kind of just, you're hard at that each day, six days a week. So I, you know, I try to train each day after work and then, To bed early and i'm up early so i kind of just have the same schedule for for two months there get on the ice when i can Uh, that's over now so i did a little bit of halibut fishing that's when you and i were trying to make a plan here that's a little bit more off off off-sea so there's no service you're kind of just in the middle of nowhere no you can't see any land so you're kind of just in your own world when you're out there so i kind of just been hard at hard at fishing hard at carpentry just trying to stay busy and make some money i suppose
2: so when I think of you out there in the middle of the ocean catching this, I'm thinking deadliest catch. Is this what we should be thinking of? That kind of situation? Um, uh,
3: I mean, not so severe. They're kind of more, they go for weeks at times. They're in pretty big, uh, boats, you know, a couple levels. They have a kitchen, their own bed. So they, they're, they're really far out there. I'm about maybe 40 miles. Those guys can get up to a hundred to 200. So it is a little different, but the same time you're still out there and you don't see land so i guess that sometimes i kind of feel like i'm part of deadliest catches but it's definitely not as severe as those guys
2: and where exactly are you um when you're doing this because you're about three hours ahead of us in alabama right now
3: yeah so i think it's two hours difference time zone is two hours um i'm in cape red nova scotia we uh we leave from Louisburg. it's a pretty uh it's a small fishing town but we got the Fortress of Louisburg there, so they're uh the little town's kind of on the map because of the history there, but only a couple hundred live there. It's only a small little town, and yeah, it's kind of at the end of the world, end of this side, besides you got Newfoundland next, but besides that, it's a dead end for us.
2: So how did you actually get a, a, a job, an off-season job, because we like to think of hockey as the main thing, right? How, yeah, how did you sure. get into doing this kind of thing? I mean... Um, other people are training kids and in camps. Others are going home and seeing family. You're out here in the middle of the ocean, lobster fishing and halibut fishing. How does that happen?
3: Uh, that's just kind of the lifestyle in the Maritimes. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of fishing around here. That's kind of the main, you know, it's kind of how people make their money around here. It's a big industry. So I kind of just, I grew up on the Meyer river, just a, a popular river around here. And I've always been on the water any chance I got for hours since I was a kid. So I just always loved being on the water. You know, I don't mind work growing up on a farm, kind of, you know, boots boots on and get to work type stuff. So I don't know, I just kind of fell in love with being on the water. And I got the chance when I was a young kid to go lobster fishing a few times. And as I got older, I just kind of made it more of a priority to do as full time.
2: So let's kind of transition and since you mentioned a little bit about, you know, growing up and stuff, tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up, um, you know, what kind how did hockey kind of play into your childhood and, and things like that?
3: Yeah, so I grew up uh in Albert Bridge. It's on the Maya River, grew up on a farm. Uh, I got a brother, lots of uncles and aunts and cousins that are all involved with the horses. Everybody still barrel races and whatnot. So that part of kind of just, you know, from day one, I had the cowboy boots on, riding horses. Mom put me on and she also put me on the skates when I was about the same age, you know, four years old. That's kind of what I was doing, either playing hockey in the driveway with my brother and my uncles and cousins, or, you know, we're riding the horses or something like that. So those two things were kind of, kind of had no choice. Just luckily I love to do both of them. And kind of still do so kind of try to stay at it as long as I can to keep me happy
2: yeah so you grew up you started learning hockey at four kind of how did hockey then kind of transition through your childhood your teen and now where you're at and have it you know was hockey always what you really wanted to play or did you have other sport options you thought
3: about yeah hockey was easily the number one Uh, my mom could tell at a young age that's that's what I loved. I, I I did some, I played a lot of soccer and the horse racing, but when you get older and you start to travel more and more with hockey, you do got to pick what you can and can't do. And hockey just been no matter what the number one choice. So yeah, just kind of, as I got older, limited other options, other sports and hockey, just, you know, when it's time to move away for hockey, it's time to move. There was no question on if i wanted to do it or not just i love playing the game and that's kind of been my passion
2: yeah and so you said you had to move so you kind of i guess figured out a time in your life that in order to get kind of serious about it you had to leave where you were were there just no other i guess playing options where you were was just kind of just what you wanted to do out of the career
3: uh, Maybe not at the time. I was only 16. So maybe it wasn't so much that I wanted to move. You know, I definitely yeah. got homesick during that year. Um, like I said, I have a big family that I'm close with. So it wasn't easy. But when it comes to being for the game of hockey, it, was, it made us it kind of a no brainer that that's what I needed and wanted to do. So moving yeah. moving off the island. You know, it was tough, but I knew that's what I needed to do if I wanted to keep playing the game.
2: So you move off the island, you start this process, give us, not necessarily bring us to Huntsville yet, but kind of tell us what the roadmap has been to get you from that 16 year old who's making this choice to playing kind of minor league hockey. Like what were what were the leagues? What were the the things that happened along the way?
3: Yeah. So I moved away when I was 16 to play junior A, um, at the other end of the province, about seven hours away. So it wasn't too far. The family could come visit me and check up on me. And then the following year, I actually made my major junior hometown team. So I played here for a year and then I got traded to St. John Sea Dogs in New Brunswick. And that's kind of where I kind of made a home for the first time for a few years. That was kind of. You know, a highlight reel winning the President's Cup for that league. After there, I took on to Acadia University and that was a, that was a bit of a struggle with a couple, uh, surgeries and a couple, not a couple, but COVID as well hit us. So I missed two years there due to COVID and injuries. So I really needed to try to find something quick once I got healthy. Um, the old captain for the Huntsville Havoc, Trasker, He's a Newfoundland fella. He, yeah. I ran into him playing scrub hockey one time. I was just kind of getting my injuries looked after and trying to get back on the ice. And he had mentioned it about the Huntsville Havoc. And so I kind of just looked into it and we kept talking for a week or so. And he's the one who, I guess, in the end got me to Alabama to play for the Havoc. And, you know, I I got to thank him a lot for that kind of opened the door for me. I didn't know much about the the league or the team itself, but he had nothing good to, nothing but good to say. So I kind of just ran with it. And now I'm going back for my third year, third season with the Havoc and I wouldn't change it.
2: So what does someone from the Newfoundland area think when they finally arrived down here in the hot, humid heat of Alabama? Like what was your impression coming to Alabama and especially in Huntsville?
3: Uh, yeah, so I drove every time I went, I drove, so it's about like a thirty hour drive and it was just it was hard to believe the the culture change I was coming onto to each you know each hour you could just see a little bit of difference driving through. From here all the way to Alabama, you know, the heat, you know, you can play golf all year round, but here we get inches and centimeters of snow. So, you know, going to the rink all year round and, you know, you could really do it in shorts and flip-flops if you wanted to. It's, it's, pr- it's pretty awesome going from, you know, a snowsuit to just get outside my door to somewhere <laughs> so beautiful 24-7. So yeah, that part, you know, it was, it's pretty nice.
2: And then, um, so you get down here with the ha- havoc and what was kind of, I guess, your impression? Um, maybe that first year playing with the team, um, you know, you could have left afterwards. You didn't have to stay. You could have had other options, but you've chosen to stay, you know, now going into your third year. So what's kind of, you felt like a fit and your perspective on the, the havoc as a whole.
3: Yeah, it just, it, it felt like home quick. Um, the owners, the team, the coaches, you know, even like the Zamboni, just everybody made me feel like I wasn't 30 hours from home. It kind of felt like I was just, next door it really felt like home uh the fans you know every time you step on the ice the fans are incredible i never thought i'd be playing you know not only in the south but playing in the south in front of thousands of you know prime a fans it's it was just it was it was awesome to see and i can't get enough of it so gotta go back for another year i guess
2: Well, you know, one of the things that you just mentioned earlier was about injury and you, you've, you know, had injuries when you were in other leagues and, you know, kind of um, getting into the process of, of playing big hockey, hockey in general. But um, you've also experienced some injuries that have kind of taken you out of the game in Huntsville um, a little bit. I think about a year ago or so you injured your hand probably from fighting or something like that. So I thought maybe I'd get you to kind of chat with us a little bit about those um, injuries if you don't care. Tell us a little bit about your kind of um, process because, you know, have hockey players, you know, you get hurt. You know, it was one of the things that we talked with Jason Lopez about a few weeks ago it was, you know, you guys are always ready to get on back out there on the ice. And sometimes you have to let the healing process take place. And so there were a lot of games for a few stretches where you weren't able to play because of an injury. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's all, it's, it's part of the game. Injuries are going to happen. Doesn't matter, you know, who you are, what kind of style of hockey you play. Unfortunately, you know, I'm not the tallest guy, but I, I try to play like, you know, I'm a 6'5 type person and the injuries, you know, they, they come and go. It just, you got to stay positive with them. Uh, You got to work on it every day. The guys are on the ice. You know, they're messing around, having fun. They got their work boots on. But, you know, it's, it's still always fun when you put your skates on, even though you're working hard. Yeah. So it was just kind of tough to, you know, just have to go into the gym every day and do rehab and not be able to put the skates on. That was a tough part mentally. But, you know, like you said, Jason was right there in Lindley helping me try to get back as soon as I can. Um, The hand last year was... That was a tough battle, but you know those two got me back quick, so I could try to help the team out in playoffs. Yeah, and the following year was my shoulder, so we kind of knew the timeline that I wasn't going to get back in time. So we just really started, you know, the day after my surgery, they just had had me into the dressing room and to their their rooms, just working on working on my recovery from day one right until I left. So uh, so I can come back this year in training camp. Full force and you know, knocking on wood. Just hopefully, I can have a a good, clear year with no yeah. injury. Just you know, play a full season.
2: Well, one of the things Jason mentioned, he mentioned you. He said, you know, it was he had to calm you down a lot to tell you, hey, you're almost there, but we need to we need to let you sit a little bit longer. You know, it's new, we're, you're almost ready to go back out in the ice, but a little bit more. And so that's why I was wondering how that waiting period, I guess, goes for an athlete um when they yeah. know that they can't they they feel like they can go back out there but they really can't yet.
3: Yeah, he was good. Um he he sees that other side that some people might look over, you know, rather than just getting angry with me, you know, he kinda talked to me and he he understood that, you know, I want to be out there to help the guys and, you know, he's trying to help me by keeping me in line. Um I try to, you know, say, All right, I'm we'll gonna put the skates on, say, and he's like, No, not a chance, you know, you gotta you gotta wait. You don't wanna Re injure yourself. So, yeah, Jason was good to just keep me in line. You know, we kind of grew a good friendship. It's kind of like, like he's my older brother, you know, just kind of saying, Hey, like, listen, you got to listen to me because, you know, he, that's his job. He knows best. I'm just kind of eager to get back out there like all yeah. oh, players are. So, yeah, we kind of build a nice bond. And, yeah, he, I owe, I owe a lot to, uh, to Jason for, for what he did.
2: Well, you're one of the players that we always, say in our household puts on a show for the fans uh, whether you realize it or not you're if someone's going to fight in a game okay we we know that it's probably going to be you <laughs> we feel <laughs> like we'll talk yeah. about um and and so if um and if it's not you it's Dominic Procopio that's going to do it so we know something's going to happen so I was reading a story that was posted about you signing and coming back for the year and since you've joined, you've had over 189 penalty minutes. And so what is it about, I guess, the, the fighting or the whatever that goes through you've got your y'all's heads, uh, when you're out there. Um, what is that about? Tell us a little bit about that because we always, especially, I don't know if other havoc people think this, but in our household, it's literally who's going to fight tonight. We're on the way of the game. And it's, Oh, it's probably Dom or Cole. That's what we'll think.
3: <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, just something I always love. Not, not the the part of you know like beating somebody up because you yeah. know after my fights, you know I try to shake their hand right away to let them know like it's no hard love, you know not not it's no like disrespect. But me and Dom, we we still talk a lot. Me and Dom once a week or so, just staying in touch and getting ready for the season. And we're just, you know, we're kind of, when it comes to that, we're the same. You know, we're not out there running around being a meathead, but we have our teams back and we want the guys to feel comfortable. And, you know, not everybody's comfortable with throwing the fists and fight. And so luckily me and Dalmer are comfortable and luckily we're both good at it. So we just kind of got each other's back and most important got the teammates back. So, you know, if they're comfortable and they can play their game, it's uh, me and down feel good about ourselves for sure.
2: Well, what, how do you know when it's time Like well, to just, okay, I'm dropping the gloves. We're going for it. Like, let's do it. I mean, is it sometimes, is it, is it just like, you no, know, we're just, like something happens in the game and it really takes you off and you're like, I see it. I'm done. This is where we're at. You know, to kind of have my teammates yeah. back, or is it not? So, is it something that just you don't really think about sometimes?
3: No, you definitely always got to think about it. Uh, you got to give give with the uh, the score of the game and where the momentum is and who the guy is. You know, if he's a top end guy and he does something greasy to our teammates, you know, it would be nice to get him off the ice if he's their goal scorer or something. So I kind of try not to get him a chance to think about it. Kind of grab him, and I can get him off the ice for five minutes. I'm sure coach would be happy with me. Um, and you know, if they go after one of our key players and he won't stop, I- I've been in the league for a few years now. So I, I kind of know who, uh, who likes to run around and who isn't so much of a greasy player. Yeah. So yeah, just think about it all. And you know, you got to put the team first. So if we're out by a goal, you know, maybe it's not, you know, we play a lot of teams about seven times or so a year so you know there will there'll always be another game to get that guy so if he does something you know it could be there and then or you know he could have just had patience and I'm sure me or Dom will get him next game
2: Well, again, it's always a discussion point in our car on the ride. Who is it going to be? We pretty much know it's either you or Dom. And, but some have some of these injuries though, like happened as a result of fighting, like your shoulder, your hand. Was that like a result of that? Or is this just like normal hockey play?
3: Yeah. No, they've, you know, the fist, the hand for sure. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Clerky got hit there one game, and it was a knee-on-knee, and that was one of those scenes, you know, it's, it's no question. If someone, you know, it looks like they're really trying to hurt your teammate, take advantage of them, well, then that's kind of no question. You know, me or Dom or anyone that's on the ice are going to go after that guy. And just unfortunately, I connected good and I hurt my hand. And then the shoulders, yeah, it's just a lot of wear and tear over the years, you know. A lot of years now of playing high competitive hockey. Throwing my body against a lot of other strong, tough, tough guys, right? So they take a wear and tear. And then it only takes a little one wrong movement to really do the damage. Yeah. So, yeah, just a little bit of wear and tear. And, you know, like I said, just part of the game. You know, stuff stuff's going to happen and just got to power through it.
2: Well, this kind of leads me to this point in the conversation where I kind of wanted to talk about um, penalties, so to speak. And the reason being is that, you know, we like to think that our entire listening audience knows everything there is to know about hockey. But there are newbies every week. And there are some um, veteran hockey fans that may have no clue about something um, in the game or how things go. So I thought I would test your knowledge and get you in your own words as a hockey player to kind of explain some penalties and consequences that can kind of come with them, so to speak, during a game, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so. so I was curious if you could explain, like, uh, like hooking, like, explain what the concept of hooking is.
3: The hooking is when you, you, you're, you, uh, use your stick, mostly your stick blade to kind of wrap around, like, your, uh, the other player to kind of slow him down or allow him not to get his, uh, his stick onto the puck, you know, kind of just, yeah, you just kind of use it as a hook, really, and hook them back yeah. to slow them down, or to buy your teammate more, to buy him more time. So yeah, you just kind of use your stick as a hook to slow him down, or so he can't get to where he wants to go, or he can't get his shot off on net.
2: Okay, and then slashing. What is slashing?
3: Slashing is using your stick as a uh, a weapon. I guess the <laughs> best way to put it. Yeah, you can't. You know, they're they're pretty strong now, so. You, you, you can't spot-
2: go out on the ice, is what you're saying, and take the the stick and just like well, two hands,
3: <laughs> buddy. No, you can't just beat them with your stick. It's not it's not lacrosse. That's you can do that in lacrosse, but not not our game.
2: What about high sticking?
3: Yeah, that's usually more of a mistake. High sticks usually come from trying to lift somebody else's stick up. You know, you try to get underneath their stick, and then you miss. So your momentum carries your stick over your shoulders, and you know, usually if there's a face there, you'll get them in the face. Um, High stick is only two minutes unless you draw blood and then they'll give you a four minutes. So you got to be careful because that's usually when the coaches will get mad at you for being, you know, not, not strict or being a little lazy That's what they would say.
2: What, what kind of penalty do you get with hooking or slashing? What kind of penalty minutes?
3: Just two minutes. Most, okay. most are two minutes unless it's like uh, a hit from behind, you can get a five minutes or for fighting, you can get a five or like a dangerous hit to the head, they'll sometimes up it. But most like an elbow or a trip or anything like that, they'll just give you two minutes.
2: Sometimes I've seen in fighting where you guys will get, you know, thrown out of the rest of the thing because you argued after you got your penalty minutes.
3: <laughs> yeah, the, they're not they're not trying to give out the 10-minute misconduct. Um, you pay attention, though. If there's less than five minutes left into the period, they'll just send you to uh, your dressing room, and then you come back out to the start of the next period. Yeah. Just because you're you're going to be sitting there. You can't come out with, even if there's a goal or anything. You know, for a fight, yeah. you got to five minutes.
2: And you you've never had any of those. No, like,
3: no nope, ten, nope, ten No, I. Uh, you know, the, the rest they're they're there to do to do their job. Uh, I try to keep my cool. Sometimes, you know, if they miss a couple of greasy shots on me, you yeah. know, you, come, you don't you don't want to say too many things to them. But you know, you try to have a little combo and just try to be reasonable because you know, at the end of the day. They're just other humans who love the game too, right? And without the refs, you know, we can't play our game. So we gotta gotta treat them with respect as well.
2: Okay, so tell us what cross checking is. Explain that one.
3: That's uh, I guess it's close to slashing, but you have two hands on your stick, you know. So it's like a pushing momentum, but you're using your stick. So okay. that happens a lot too. You know, if you're in front of the net the D-man's trying to move you, he's going to start feeding you cross-checks. And the refs, you know, they usually let that go until it's too hard or if you go anywhere towards the the neck or the head, you know, they're trying to stay away from concussions and head injuries. So they're pretty, you know, they're pretty heavy on something around that area. But the game is still pretty, pretty physical game, so they still get the sticks and whatnot. They just try to watch the neck and the head.
2: What well, fascinates me the most when you like those intense moments in a hockey game, when it's do or die, so to speak, you know, even if we're, we've got a good period, um, but we still have a lot of time left in it. Everything is happening so fast and sometimes these things kind of get caught in the middle of everything happening fast. Um, it seems like maybe even hooking y'all are doing it on purpose to try to slow, but everything's really fast happening. Um, have there ever been any, I guess, penalties called on you that you think, hey, I didn't do anything or, you know, why did you call that? Um, or I guess vice versa, too, when you're playing and another guy does something on the other team and you're like, that was completely a penalty, but nobody called it. I mean, how do you how do you keep your composure in those kind of moments?
3: Yeah, so th- this is the first league. I've played with just one ref and two linesmen. I've always had two refs and two linesmen. You know, it's it's hard. The ice surface is 200 feet. You know, there's 10 10 players, five aside. So it's hard for him to see everything at once, right? And like you said, it's a fast game. You just gotta, you know, kind of keep your cool. And it's just when you think you when you think that he saw the penalty and and he didn't call it, that's kind of when you get worked up because it's like ref, you're you're right there. But I'm sure if the ref's seen it, he would. He would call it. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the play. And as well, he has to watch the main play. So you just got to keep your cool. I mean, it, it it's happened to me, you know, a call. It's like, ref, I think you've seen somebody else's sick that wasn't mine. But I've, I've definitely got away with some penalties that should have been called that I think I was being a little sneaky with. Kind of got lucky. So, yeah, it goes it goes both ways.
1: We'll be back with more of the Wreaking Havoc podcast. it's a little too late for me. Listen, protect everyone you love in your family. Call ADT now. Have them come out and give you a quote to install a full security system in your home. Don't let it be too late for you. Call right now. Paid for by the Home Security Hotline. 800-200-6543. 800-200-6543. 800-200-6543. That's 800-200-6543.
3: Hi, everybody. This is Jesse Kowke, and you're listening to the Reekin' Havoc podcast.
2: Well, the new season's approaching. We don't have much longer until um, we have hockey again. So I'm curious what you feel like your expectations are going into now your third season. Like, what are you anticipating? What are you ready for? What are you looking forward to?
3: Yeah, just being more of a a role player. Uh, We lost, you know, that crew that's been here for a few years um few few of them just retired so you know there's a new new core and uh guys like me dom who've been here for a few years now we kind of just have to try to keep the as we say the havoc way the tradition try to keep that alive keep it the same way on and off the ice just kind of being good role models you know in the dressing room on the ice and in within the community so yeah i'm 25 now i came a few years younger so you know i learned a lot through, you know, Ty, Kai's and Sai, those older fellas, you know, I just lived with Darren Pearly, So they're good, good leaders to kind of show me what, what I got to do, you know, being more of a veteran veteran player for the team. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to take on a bigger role. You know, I love the city. I love the team. So it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be different, but I'm excited for it.
2: You know, you mentioned something um, that not, no one else has really said, is that that idea of the Havoc way and being that role model on and off the ice. What what does that mean to you to be that role model? Is that just for the organization itself or for the fans? I mean, I know there is a lot of children that look up to, to Havoc hockey players in general um, and stuff. And so I've, I've, I'm curious about that role model feeling that you feel that you have at your – Young in your twenties, playing minor league hockey in Alabama. I mean, you are in a sense someone that these kids and these other people look up to. Um, I've never heard any of the other players really mention that havoc way.
3: Yeah, it's been. Uh, we have it up in our dressing room. It's a. It's a big. Uh, Glenn was big on you know being the havoc way and putting the havoc havoc first. You know that's because we we were all young kids. We we all looked up to uh, hockey players that are my age now, and I just remember. You know, they didn't even have to give me a hockey stick. Long as they looked at me or gave me a high five, that that made my day, right? So, at a young age, you know, my mom really was always just reminding me that there's always, you know, younger kids looking up to me, whether whether or not I, I I see it or recognize it. Just that there's always going to be people looking up to somebody like us. So I just tried to, you know, be the best the best role model I can. You know, there's I, I do remember being that age. It feels like it was just yesterday where you know. It, those big, you know, you look at them as Superman, but they're just another, another hockey player, right? And I just really enjoyed when they would give me their time. What didn't have to be anything, you know, they could tape my stick for me. I just thought it was Christmas, right? So the Havoc way is just kind of, you know, roots of that just being. Good to the kids, good to the parents, good to, you know, any fan that takes their time and day, you know, they all work and then they spend their money to come watch us play. So we got to keep that in mind. You know, they're paying big bucks to take their family out to watch us play. So the best we could do is just give them a good show and, you know, show them that we, we appreciate, we appreciate it all.
2: Well, I can assure you from a standpoint of watching some of this happen in the, you know, in the seats during warmups, especially. Um, the kids banging on the ice, just so excited to watch you guys warm up and to almost, you know, get a puck or to, to get a, a wave or something. Like you said, I've seen that and it just makes a whole difference and stuff. Um, so it's very as a as a parent that display um, from the team and from the players is very important to me. It It, it speaks volumes. So coaching changes are coming this year. Um, Tyler's moving into a position and, you know, we've got Stu moving up. So uh, I wanted to get your perspective on coaching changes. What are you looking forward to in that regard?
3: Uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it all. It's a, it's a new change. Um, I say change, but I don't think it's going to be that much of a change. You know, Stu is, you know, he's the assistant coach. He was right involved just as much, right? He's just taking on a bigger, a little bit bigger of a role. And, you know, everybody knows, uh, the mayor, Ty. He, uh, <laughs> he was our captain for how many years, right? He was right involved. You know, he's not going to be on the ice anymore, which is, I'm sure a lot of fans are sad. You know, he's another guy that, you know, everybody loves to watch him. He's a little guy with a lot of heart. Doesn't back down. You know, that's that part of what he brought you know obviously he put up a lot of points but you know if we're down a goal you see our captain out there out battling against the biggest guy you know kind of gave you a little eye awakening for your next shift to you know I can do the same if he can do it I can do it yeah so that that was a big um, a key that we're missing from him but you know I'm sure he will find a way to bring that edge even though he's on the bench you know he's still he's still right behind us so he's still one of our leaders and one of our main guys so yeah I'm looking forward to uh to what him and Stu bring to the table for us.
2: So as the seasons like we said is getting ready to start back, how are you getting back into the mindset because um hockey will be here in a couple of months. So how are you getting back into that mindset of of
3: hockey? Yeah, just trying to uh, you know, there's no hockey going on right now, but it's nice to kind of just rewatch any clips of anything, just kind of get back into the hockey, 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 you know, um, shooting pucks, getting on the ice when I can, training a lot, you know, meditating yoga, just anything that I do during the hockey season. You know, you do like to take a little break from it when the season's over, but and then you kind of, ha- you know, it's never too early to start to prep and get ready for the next season. So now that I'm done work, I just got off the, off the sea for the summer. So it's kind of time to really fully dial back into the hockey season because I'll be gone with just a month here. I got left just about and back to the season. So the season's going to start pretty soon. So I just got to make sure my body and my head is mentally ready for it.
2: Well, and that kind of led me to this um, other question about the challenge that you feel personally that you have to overcome for yourself to be the kind of athlete that you want to be. I mean, we all want to be a certain rank. you know, We want to want to achieve certain personal goals that we have for whatever our career or interest might be. So what are those challenges that you feel maybe you've had to personally kind of overcome um, and work toward to be the the athlete that you want to be?
3: I say the mental game. I, I get in my head very easy. Um, not, not in the sense that I like to give up, but, you know, I think I'm just hiring on myself. And if I don't think that I'm doing as good as I thought I was going to do or as good as I can do, I kind of get worked up and, you know, that kind of leads me into the direction where I wasn't aiming, aiming for. So I think I just got to kind of prep more and being more mentally strong.
2: So now we're going to move into some fan questions. We had um four that were sent in, and then we have a final one. Um, and so the first question was from your booster mom. You will know who that is. Yeah. And she just wanted to know, I guess, on the record – if you're going to listen to her and keep your fists in your gloves so that you can play the entire season this time?
3: Uh, I don't think so, you know. Um, I like to try to keep them on a little bit more than usual, you know, try to help the team out on the ice rather than just getting the gloves off. But I I have this talk with, you know, my mom, my grandmother, my aunts, pretty well my whole family every year since I was 16 to try to keep the gloves on more and kind of put, you know, stay on the ice and, you know, maybe not fight. but when you're out there, like I said, and somebody takes advantage of your teammates, it's it's hard to let something like that slide when, you know, they're they're out there trying to hurt your teammates. So, you know, kind of got it's funny
2: that in. it's funny that you've gotten that talk not only from your like real family members, but now your Alabama mom,
3: <laughs> your uh,
2: family is giving you the same thing. So that's kind of funny.
3: Yeah, it's uh the same topic for me, that's for sure.
2: Okay. Um she also asked um what you felt was more rewarding playing hockey or being out there on those fishing boats. But from the way you've talked, I feel like you have this mutual love for both of these things.
3: Yeah, I I really do. I um hockey's been in my blood since, you know, since the day I woke up, hockey's been taking over all my decisions, you know, where I went to high school, where I would live what I would do that night or the next day, it all related around the game of hockey, you know, and then the fishing is just something I kind of just picked up, just being, you know, every time I come home for the season, I I just was always so busy during my hockey season, and then I would come home and not too much to do, but when you're out at sea, that really keeps you busy, keeps you fit, and it's just, it's peaceful, you know, there's me and two other buddies out there, and you don't see nothing else besides sea, so it's pretty, pretty peaceful, but, it's a different peaceful than being in the dressing room with, with all your teammates. So I take I take either way day. Well, when
2: you're when you're out there on the fishing boat, you see there's only like two or three, three or four of you, whatever. You, what are you doing exactly? Like when you're out there, what is Cole's role in this whole process?
3: Oh, it's it's pretty well everything. You know, right right down to getting the bait ready, getting the hooks ready. You know, getting the, the fish on board, cleaning up the boat. You know, it's pretty well me and, and another skipper. We're just hired two of us, and then you got the main captain running the boat. So, you know, when there's fish to be brought in, that's kind of, we just go to work and, you know, get the bait ready and try to catch our fish.
2: Well, Have you guys called anything cool that's not, like, what you're really out there trying to catch?
3: Yeah, you catch, like, these uh, wolf eels and wolf fish. You know, they have, like, thousands of teeth in their mouths. You get weird stuff like that. Um, See, see, you can see like some whales and dolphins or sharks. You know, we just seen a blue shark try to grab our bait there on Tuesday, I believe it was. Came right up to the boat and then took off. So, like, seeing stuff like that makes you realize, you and know, you're
2: like, not terrified, you're not no, terrified, and no. all that.
3: No, I'm we're, we're we're well safe on that boat.
2: So, as related to your career, what is your best? hockey memory that you have it could be from your childhood or it could be from playing in one of the leagues like what what's something that stands out so far in your career
3: yeah you know there's always a couple self highlights you know a couple big games where I kind of set the standard high and then kind of maybe succeeded to a good point you know you're a little happy with yourself um but in St. John we had a pretty awesome record one year to to win the QMJHL title it was just a crazy group of guys we had and it, it's, it was kind of like we knew we were going to win it from the start you know we had the, the same team returning back a few missing guys it was just a, it was just a year where you know we had that the confidence that little swagger on our back and just being able to fully pull that swagger off was it, it was a pretty cool feeling you know we worked hard and we knew what we knew our one goal And we actually got that one goal. So having that was, you know, you you practice each each day. You don't take a day off just so you can beat these other teammates and just to, you know, just to be a little bit better. And for it to finally pay off in the end was it was a cool feeling.
2: Yeah, there's nothing quite like putting in that hard work and feeling everything kind of come to fruition. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another question somebody wanted to know was, um, what is a favorite meal or a favorite dish that you like to eat that you can get back home where you're from, but you can't really get down here in Alabama that you miss?
3: Oh, I guess just my mom, my mother's cooking, I guess, really, you know, you get used to, uh, the way your mom cooks or your grandmother, your family, right? It's, um, it's definitely a bit of a change in the food here compared to down south. Um, just, you know, just, it is a little different, but I didn't, I didn't mind the change. Um, not the best eater when it comes to not being picky, you know, I am a little bit of a picky eater as I get older, it's getting better, but no, no real meal, I guess I kind of can make it, make anything work. (laughs) Big big guy. So anything's pretty easy on a barbecue.
2: (laughs) And then the last thing, um, that was asked, you know, that we've been asking all of our people who come in is what do we need to be listening to or binge watching on TV? I am under the impression. You've not probably done much binge watching. Maybe you have since you've been out on the ocean, but what is something we should watch or be listening to in the car?
3: Yeah, I don't, I haven't really watched TV since I've been home. Um, I'm on the water, so I just like to sit out as I'm doing right now, just look at the river and kind of enjoy this. Um, For watching, though, you know, ho- hockey podcast, I like to listen to Spin Chicklets a lot while, while I drive. It's um just a few ex-NHL players, and they just talk. Current hockey, old hockey, and tell good stories. So, yeah, between that or country music, that's pretty well what I listen to.
2: You're like the third or fourth uh, habit player that's been all about the country music. So that's the going thing so far.
3: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's nice. i kind of one of the DJs for the the the, the team, so it's nice be able to control it, control the tunes, and you know, keep the rap, hip hip hop music off of our speakers. If I can do that, I'm I'm happy.
2: Okay, so you say you're the DJ, one of the DJs for the team. Now that's a new thing. What is this? Is this like in the locker room, or is this at warm up, or what?
3: Yeah, you know, locker room, warm up, dressing room. Um, if we're at the house with the guys, or on the bus, anytime there's music, you know, we like to have the music because it, it keeps a good, happy vibe, right? So we tend to always have music going. So if we're just chilling, playing cards, or you know, any playing golf, anything like that. We always have music honors. It's just a few of us there that designate it you know go to music guys that's
2: that's cool. That's really cool. Listen, Cole, we really appreciate you coming on today. I know that it was kind of um a weird thing trying to get everything set up um with you and your um fishing role that you've been working on, but hey, I really appreciate you taking some time and chatting with us. Um, we've learned a little bit more about you today that we didn't know. Um, um, I would never have guessed that your off time would have been you on a fishing boat up, um, you know, lobster fishing and halibut fishing. That's really kind of cool, kind of neat to know. So, um, definitely learned something new about you. We really appreciate you coming on.
3: Of course. Uh, thank you. And hopefully I'll see you, see you soon.
2: Yes. And a big thank you again for your time. But again, like we say every week, all of the fans who keep listening to the podcast, We've only got a little bit of time left before hockey season starts again. So we just need to keep thinking about that a lot. Um, some people are counting down the days till Christmas. I don't know about you guys, but in our household, we are counting down the days until hockey returns to um, Huntsville. So we hope that you have enjoyed today's In the Slot Chat with Cole Reginabo. Until next time, stay sharp in the slot and keep reeking of Huntsville Havoc Hockey.
1: Do you have a question or a suggestion for a potential upcoming guest on the Reek and Havoc podcast? Send an email to havoc at outlook.com. That's R E E K I N Havoc at outlook.com. Leave us a text or voicemail at 256 434 R K K N. That's 256 434 7556. Or you can send a message to the Reek and Havoc Facebook page.
0: The Reek and Havoc podcast.
1: Every 40 seconds, a child goes missing somewhere in the
0: U.S. You can help in the effort to find missing kids simply by donating your car or boat to Find the Children, a nonprofit organization dedicated to returning missing children to their families. Find the Children works closely with national and community agencies and organizations and helps distribute flyers and posters that are directly responsible for recovering missing kids. Your car or boat donation helps protect and recover children in every state and community by. Sponsoring child safety and recovery programs. For fast free pickup, call anytime 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Running or not, your car, truck, van, RV, or boat will be towed away free of charge. Fast free pickup plus it's tax deductible. Everyone wins when you donate your car or boat to find the children.
1: Call right now. 800 466 8813. 800 466 8813. That's 800 466 8813. Alex Kielczewski will be
0: returning to the Havoc for the upcoming season. Killer played in 97 games with Huntsville as a defenseman over the past couple of years, scoring seven goals and tallying 30 assists. You can enter to win an opening night VIP experience, four gold tickets to opening night on October 27th, one team signed jersey, and a chance to sit on the bench during warm-ups. Deadline to register is October 6th. Go to HuntsvilleHavoc.com to the Fan Zone tab. The fourth annual Havoc Classic Golf Tournament is coming up August 28th at Cherokee Ridge. Cost is $500 for a foursome. There will be a shotgun start at 1 p.m. with registration starting at noon. You can sign up your teams online at HuntsvilleHavoc.com under the Golf Tournament tab. Single game tickets will go on sale September 5th at 10 a.m. Group discounts are also available, along with family four-packs for specific games. You can also purchase premium seating, including ice suites and luxury suites, and the new party deck. Season tickets are also still on sale. Go to HuntsvilleHavoc.com and check under the Tickets tab.
1: Join the Havoc Text Club for exclusive offers, information, and more. Go to the Huntsville Havoc Facebook page for the sign-up link. The Reek and Havoc Podcast. How would you
2: like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the Rx Outreach Program. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now.
1: 800-586-9885. 800-586-9885. 800-586-9885. That's 800-586-9885.
0: tickets official Huntsville Havoc merchandise and more go to HuntsvilleHavoc.com visit our website at ReconHavoc.com look for us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter and listen follow and subscribe to the Recon Havoc podcast on your favorite platform to keep up with the only weekly podcast covering the Huntsville Havoc the Recon Havoc
3: podcast